stick you there, Patsy. What is your name? I am Montague Havisham, king of the underappreciated artificial podcasting assistance union. What is your quest? To seek the blue enchanted star gem. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? What do you mean? An African or European swallow? Huh? I, I don't know that. Well, you have to know these things when you're a king, you know. Eat. Sleep. Links. Repeat. This is the Atari Lynx Handicast. This is episode 05, Gauntlet, the third encounter. And here again is your host, Mark Little. Thank you, Monty. And thank you especially for helping me out with that opening bit with the old man from scene 24. Just wait until you get my bill. Yes, we'll see about that. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Handicast. In this episode, I'll be covering part number PA2024, Gauntlet, The Third Encounter by Atari Corp, released in 1990. Included in this episode is a complete rundown of the gameplay, music, and sound effects for Gauntlet, The Third Encounter. I'll also highlight a few reviews of the game, and I'll provide information about the prices that collectors can expect to pay for a Gauntlet, The Third Encounter cartridge on eBay and other retailers. Also, I have some feedback about Gauntlet the Third Encounter from some of my loyal listeners. And, as I am wont to do, I would like to thank everyone who has submitted any feedback for this or any previous episode of The Handicast. So, let's talk about today's game, Gauntlet the Third Encounter. Vital Statistics Gauntlet the Third Encounter was released by Atari Corp. by April of 1990 at an initial retail price of $39.95. It is a 128KB stereo cartridge, available initially in the ridged-style cartridge, then later in the curved lip-style cartridge. Gauntlet the Third Encounter is an arcade castle maze crawl shoot-'em-up, or shmup, for one player on the console or two to four players using the Comlinks cable. During its development for the Lynx by Epix Incorporated, the game was originally entitled Time Quests and Treasure Chests. There are 40 levels in the game, with a final boss in level 40, which ends the game. The screenplay field orientation is Portrait, one of only three original release Atari Lynx games to utilize a vertical orientation. The others were Clax, Clack Wave, also released in 1990, and NFL Football, released in 1992. A later release, Raiden, from 1997, and thank you Shinto for the correct pronunciation of that title, was also played in portrait mode. 
The portrait, or vertical orientation of the screen playfield in Gauntlet the Third Encounter, for the links, was questioned by game players and critics both at the time of release and in the time since then. Speaking of Shinto, of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, he sent me an email with a mock-up of what a normal landscape or horizontal orientation would look like for the game, had it been designed that way instead. Both the action window and the statistics radar inventory window remain the same size regardless of the orientation, but each window is repositioned. You can find Shinto's mock-up in this episode's show notes. So, do you think it would have made a difference in gameplay? Could the game have been more successful had it used the landscape orientation? My own feeling is that it probably wouldn't make any difference. Both the action window and the statistics radar inventory window would have remained the same size regardless of the orientation, with each window simply repositioned. It would not have affected actual gameplay. The only advantage I can think of is that the landscape mode would have been easier for those who find playing games in portrait mode on the links uncomfortable or awkward, something I've never actually had a problem with myself. Ports to other systems, Gauntlet the Third Encounter can only be played on the Atari Lynx. It was never actually ported to any other systems. There was a pseudo-sequel to Gauntlet the Third Encounter. Gauntlet 3, The Final Quest, was released in 1993 for the Atari ST, the Commodore 64, the ZX Spectrum, and the Amstrad CPC. Gauntlet the Third Encounter was released in a standard tab carton in full color. It was released in a regular size carton, 5 and 3 8 inches high by 4 and 3 8 inches wide by 7 8 inches deep, and does not include a vertical band with faux embossed Lynx font X's along the right side of the carton as many early Lynx cartons did. I'll describe the front of the carton for you. Across the top of the carton is the standard gray and black cartouche that includes the Atari Fuji logo and name in white on the left corner, oriented vertically, with the Lynx yellow and red broken font logo taking up most of the top of the cartouche. Below the Lynx logo are the words video game card in white block letters. There are four figures included in the cover art. The main figure in the center is a muscular shirtless male with long black hair, sort of a Conan the Barbarian type, He is carrying a broad axe in his right hand and is pointing towards the viewer with his left hand. He is wearing a brown leather skirt with a belt and large buckle and leather boots with fur along the cuffs. To his left is a rather buxom blonde female wearing a black one-piece and brown boots carrying a sword in her right hand and a shield in her left. To the male's right in the background is a dead ringer for Charlton Heston as Moses in the Ten Commandments, a white-bearded wizard wearing a long flowing black robe with his right arm reaching up to the sky. Finally, to the left of the female on the right-hand side of the carton can be seen in the background a centurion, wearing a brown leather cap and aiming a bow and arrow towards his upper left. The yellow comlinks triangle at the bottom right of the carton obscures most of this figure. However, this cover art was lifted completely and reused as the cover art for the 1991 Tengen Incorporated release of Gauntlet 4 for the Sega Genesis and this more complete cover art reveals the Centurion to be wearing a greenish-brown tunic. Across the top of the cover art is the word Gauntlet, in stylized green and beige serif lettering with a blue shadow underneath. Beneath that are smaller letters of the same type and color, spelling out the words The Third Encounter. On the bottom right corner of the carton, particularly covering the cover art, is a yellow triangle with black letters inside and oriented at 45 degrees upwards with the words 1-4 to players link up, indicating the game's support of the Comlinks cable. On the back of the carton, well, the back of the carton is laid out like this. 
On the upper left is a small version of the standard gray and black cartouche, inside of which is the yellow and red broken font Lynx logo. Below that is a smaller version of the same Gauntlet the Third Encounter title from the front of the carton, in stylized green and beige serif lettering with blue shadowing behind. Below that are two vertical screenshots from the game, one from one of the grass levels and one from one of the pebbled courtyard levels. Below the screenshots are four paragraphs describing the game, along with one bullet point stating that the game can be played with one to four players. Here are the four paragraphs. Generations ago, an enchanted star gem crashed to Earth at the base of an ancient castle. Loathsome creatures crept from the castle and carried the gem into the depths of the fortress. All attempts to retrieve the star gem failed. The adventurers were destroyed. The creatures in the castle gain magical strength from the star gem. Unless the gem is taken from them, the evil ones will soon have the strength to venture forth and destroy mankind. You and your friends must take up the quest to rescue the star gem and your world. Below these paragraphs at the bottom of the back of the carton is the Atari Fuji logo in black on the left, along with the Atari Corporation and Atari Games Corporation copyright information in the center bottom. And to the right of the copyright info is the ubiquitous FBI seal on the bottom right, bordered above with the words, Winners Don't Use Drugs, and below with the words, William S. Sessions, Director, FBI. Now let me tell you a little bit about the Gauntlet the Third Encounter Manual. It is a 28-page stapled manual in monochrome. It was available in a regular size booklet, 4 and 7 eighths inches high by 3 and 3 quarters inches wide. The front of the manual includes a version of the carton cover in monochrome, although the Lynx logo is outlined in light red. The first inside page includes the Atari Corporation and Atari Games Corporation copyright information again. The page after that is a title page with the heading Lynx Portable Color Entertainment System Game Manual and the name Gauntlet Registered Trademark, the third encounter below that. The page after that is blank, followed by a page that includes the table of contents. After that is actually page one, which is headed by the words, The Power of Magic, and is followed by two paragraphs describing the backstory of the game. Page two includes three more paragraphs that continue the game's backstory. Pages three through five include getting started information. Page six outlines optional game controls. Pages seven through 13 describe playing the game. Page 14 shows a graphic representation of a Lynx 1 console under the heading Movement and Combat. Pages 15 through the middle of page 20 outline and describe the items that can be found in the game. Also on page 20 through page 21 are some of the strategies to help players succeed in the game. Page 22 outlines the scoring for accomplishing tasks and destroying enemies. And the back of the manual includes the Atari Fuji logo and the Atari Corp copyright information at the bottom. And as far as I can ascertain, the Gauntlet the Third Encounter Manual was released in the United States in an English-only version, although it's possible that there may have been other language manuals released in other countries. Fun Facts Atari Age gives the ridged-style cartridge of Gauntlet the Third Encounter a rarity of 5, which means it's rare. You don't see it every day unless you're really lucky. We're just getting into the rare territory here, and you will probably have to do some trading or online buying to acquire this cartridge. Expect to pay around $10 to $20 range on the collector market for it. 
Atari Age gives the curved lip-style cartridge of Gauntlet the Third Encounter a rarity of two, which means it's common plus. Almost as ubiquitous as common, but may vary slightly from collector to collector. Even beginning collectors can find it without much difficulty. Atari Gamer gives the Ridge-style cartridge a rarity of 28 out of 100, which means it's common, a little harder to find and starting to get some value, and the curved lip-style cartridge a rarity of 25, which means it's also common. Rarityguide.com gives Gauntlet the Third Encounter a rarity of 77% out of 100%, though as I mentioned in the last episode, please keep in mind that this website is copyrighted 2012 and may not include the most up-to-date information. Digital Press does not give a rarity score for Gauntlet the Third Encounter. My own high score for Gauntlet the Third Encounter is 10,760, which is pretty pathetic, and I achieved that two weeks ago on April 1st, 2018. Highscore.com has no high scores listed for players using actual hardware. Only two high scores achieved in emulation are listed. 46,472 points by user Foster AMF in Kaiser, Oregon on February 13th, 2017, and 10,865 points by user Kernsey in London, UK on October 12th, 2014. So maybe my high score is not so pathetic after all. There are no high scores listed in the Atari Age High Score Club or on Twin Galaxies for Gauntlet Third Encounter, and that's because the game isn't really about the points. There is a cheat to help you defeat the plants in level 40, the last level. One, take the first plant in the second group of plants. It will spit you out of another plant. Number two, escape from this plant and take the top plant of the four. This will spit you out between two more plants. Three, take the leftmost plant and get the star gem. Immediately give it to Naj and all of the robots turn to gold. Interestingly, although Epix Incorporated was involved in developing Gauntlet the Third Encounter early on, there is no Epix copyright information listed on the carton, the cartridge, or the manual for this game. This fact indicates that by the time Gauntlet the Third Encounter was released in 1990, and I think that was in April of that year, Atari Corporation had already taken over all of Epix Incorporated's assets and intellectual property. Credits. The developer for Gauntlet the Third Encounter, as I mentioned before, was Epix Incorporated, the original creators of the handy game console that was later released by Atari as the Lynx. The writer was John Liup. Liup, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, did not work on any other games for the Atari Lynx, but he was a designer for Summer Games for Epix in 1984, Summer Games 2 for Epix in 1985, and California Games for Epix Incorporated in 1987. Paul Vernon did the artwork. In addition to Gauntlet the Third Encounter, Vernon also did art for California Games for Epix Incorporated in 1987. He was a graphics artist for the game's Winter Edition in 1988, and he did graphics for the IBM PC port of the game's Summer Edition in 1988. He did art for Chips Challenge for the Atari Lynx in 1989, and he did art for all ports of Desert Strike in 1992. Robert Vieira and LX or Alex Rudis did the sounds and music for Gauntlet the Third Encounter. As stated in previous episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast, in addition to this game, Vieira and Rudis worked together on music and or sound effects for the following Lynx titles. Blue Lightning, Electro Cop, 
Rampage, California Games, and Chips Challenge. Rudis alone also did music and or sound effects for the Lynx titles Clax, Hard Drivin', Hockey, Miss Pac-Man, Shanghai, Rampart, and Gordo 106. And Vieira alone worked on the music and or sound effects for Lynx games Warbirds, Checkered Flag, and Batman Returns. There isn't a lot of music in Gauntlet the Third Encounter. The title screen is silent, showing an open stone castle portcullis or overhead gate with a sickled pike or a broad axe, I believe is what it was, and a shield propped up on the right-hand side of the opening and a skeleton holding a sword sitting on the left-hand side. After that, the opening animation of the blue gem flying through space and crashing at the foot of the castle includes only a swooshing sound effect, followed by an explosion that causes the screen to go white, then cycle back to the title screen. The character selection screen does include a catchy tune by Alex or Alex Rudis and Bob Vieira. Let's listen to it. Every level includes a brief tune that loops continuously during gameplay. Here's how the in-game level music sounds. There is a brief sample of somber music whenever a player's character dies or uses up his or her health points. It plays during a short sequence in which the camera slowly closes in on the skeleton sitting on the left of the castle's portcullis from the game's opening title screen. 
and I must say that having the camera close into this scene is graphically problematic because the skeleton and the background get blockier and blockier as they get closer to the camera. But here's that musical interlude anyway. Finally, there was a brief tune used at the end of the game after the enchanted gem is retrieved in level 40. Here it is. Chuck Somerville and Charlie Kellner did the majority of levels for Gauntlet the Third Encounter. Somerville developed the Apple port of Summer Games for Epics Incorporated in 1984. He created Summer Games 2 in 1985, and he designed California Games in 1987. And he also did programming for the game's Summer Edition and the game's Winter Edition, both in 1988. For the links, he provided additional support for Blue Lightning, design assistance for Electrocop, and he created the original design for Chip's Challenge. In addition to Gauntlet the Third Encounter, Charlie Kellner also provided design assistance on the Lynx title, Electrocop. Playing the game. Here's how the manual describes the basic premise of Gauntlet the Third Encounter. The power of magic. The old storyteller in the market square peers at you through roomy eyes. You have spent days here at the fair, mesmerized by his tales of the haunted castle on a nearby mountain. The castle looms over your valley, ghostly spires rising through the mist. Tales of frightening beasts and enchanted potions, ghosts, ghouls, and secret passageways have held you spellbound. But what fascinates you most of all is the story of the enchanted gem, which fell from the stars one night to the base of the castle. This happened many generations ago. Even at that time, the castle was deserted. The star gem landed in an explosion of fire that illuminated the countryside for miles. And in the eerie light, loathsome creatures crept forth from the castle and transported the bright treasure into the foul depths of the towered fortress. All attempts to seek out the gem failed. The seekers were destroyed. Your eyes closed. You shiver as you listen. Suddenly you jump, and your eyes open wide. A bony hand grasps your shoulder. You stare into the eyes of the old storyteller. You have courage, he rasps. All the others edge away when I tell of the star gem, but not you. Do you have the courage to hear the remainder of the tale? You nod silently. The creatures in the castle gain magical strength from the star gem. Unless the gem is removed from the castle, the evil ones within will soon have the strength to venture forth and destroy our world. The old storyteller releases your shoulder, picks up his rucksack, and turns away. He pauses on the edge of the market square and turns to face you. In his ancient eyes you see a challenge and a plea. You must now take up the quest to rescue the star gem and your world. 
Now here's how you get started playing Gauntlet the Third Encounter. Gauntlet is a 40 level fantasy quest game for 1 to 4 players. For a single player you just press on. The Gauntlet opening screens appear followed by the character options menu and then you press A or B to skip the introductory screens. In a multiplayer game each player must have a Gauntlet game card and an Atari Lynx. With all the Lynx systems switched off, follow the instructions in the Lynx owner's manual to connect the Comlinks cable. That's pretty easy. Synchronize your sundials and press on. To successfully unite the machines, switch on all machines at the same time. The machines must unite within the mystical time frame of 15 seconds. Don't despair if the machines do not unite within the frame, for the gods are merciful. Switch off the machines and try again. Wait until all the screens show the meteor screen. Then one player should press A to go to the character options menu. If all the characters don't appear, turn off the machines and try again. In Gauntlet, you must choose a character to control during play. You press the joypad right or left to scroll through the character choices. To select a character, press A when the desired character appears. Each character can only be selected once. For example, if one player chooses the pirate, the pirate character will disappear from the selection screen of the other players. There are eight characters in the game. The characters are Android, Valkyrie, Gunfighter, Nerd, Pirate, Punk Rocker, Samurai, and Wizard. It's an eclectic crew. A game begins when all players have pressed A to choose a character. Now here's a brief description of the controls in Gauntlet the Third Encounter. To enhance play, the following optional game controls allow you to modify the display and pause and restart the game. And it's the usual instructions that you see in all the manuals. Flipping the screen 180 degrees, you press option 2 and pause. To pause the game, obviously you press pause and then pause again to resume the play. To return to the title screen and restart the game, you press option 1 and pause. And to skip to a higher level, you press option 1 when level 1 appears on every screen. This must be done before any player moves a character. You can choose to start play at level 1, 5, 10, 15, or 20. And this is true for the single player game too. Now, playing the game. The object of the game is to battle your way through slimes, spiders, ghosts, and other deadly foes, and to rescue the star gem from the mysterious and deadly castle. You begin the game on the first level of the castle. Other levels may lead you through dimension doors and into strange universes. On every level, you must pick up scrolls, potions, gold, keys, and food to help you survive. On the final level, you must find the star gem and discover its secret. There are two windows on the screen that I've already talked about. The gauntlet screen is divided into two sections, the action window and the statistics radar inventory window. The action window displays your character, objects and enemies encountered, and the area that you're currently exploring. If other characters are also exploring the same area, those characters will also appear in your action window. The statistics radar window is divided into two sections. When you hold B down, the inventory window displays. Unless B is pressed, the radar section displays a detailed picture of what you are approaching. For example, if you are near a big, mean, nasty, ugly monster, the window displays a big, mean, nasty, ugly monster. The window statistics section displays the following. Life indicates your remaining life force. You begin the game with 20,000 life points. Getting hit by enemies or fellow players causes your character to flash and sap your life points. Your life points decrease slowly even when you remain idle. Finding and using food, some scrolls, and some potions increases your life points. And I'll get to those in a minute. If your life point tally reaches zero and you are not brought back to life with a revived scroll, your skeleton is doomed to guard the castle entrance throughout eternity. If this seems too long a wait, you can simply restart the game. Speed. 
This shows how fast your character can scoot out of the way of approaching nasties. Speed points will never fall below your initial speed rating. Using speed scrolls or red potions will increase your speed rating. Strength indicates the strength of your character. Stronger characters suffer less damage from enemy attacks and can carry more items. Strength points will never fall below your initial strength rating. You can use your strength scrolls or blue potions to increase your strength rating. The effect of a strength potion vanishes when you proceed to the next level. The effects of the strength scroll lasts the duration of the game. And finally, missiles. This indicates how much damage your character's missiles inflict on the enemy. Missile points will never fall below your initial missile rating. You can use shots, scrolls, or green potions to increase your character's missile rating. Now I'll talk a little bit about the inventory window. You must hold down B to view the inventory window. The right section of the window displays your life rating and your inventory. Press the joypad left or right to scroll through your inventory. The left section of the window displays a detailed picture of each item as you scroll through the inventory. Only the item displayed in this section can be dropped or used. Now you can follow these instructions to view and use your inventory. To scroll through the inventory, you just hold down B and press the joypad left or right. Hold down the B button and press the joypad up. To drop an item from your inventory, hold down the B button and press the joypad down. Now a little bit about the items that you find in the game. To pick up an item and add it to your inventory, you just simply move over it. You can also purchase items from some computer terminals that are scattered throughout the game. Some items, such as keys and gold, are automatically used in appropriate situations. For other items, such as potions, scrolls, and apples, you must select the Use option from the inventory window to invoke their magical powers or useful properties. First, there's apples. Find and use apples to increase your life rating. The useful properties of food must be invoked before the food has any effect on your life rating. Green apples are worth 250 life points and red apples are worth 500 life points. Keys. Keys open doors and card keys open laser doors. To use a key in your inventory, walk up to a closed door. The door opens. The key disappears from your inventory. Pretty simple. Potions. Most potions improve character statistics. The effects of these potions vanish when you proceed to the next level. Some potions increase your life rating by a thousand points. Others are poisonous and will reduce your life rating. The effects of these potions are permanent. Scrolls. The magical properties of scrolls are more varied and more powerful than potions. To invoke the effect of a scroll in your inventory, simply display the scroll in your inventory screen and use it. The name of each scroll is displayed on the inventory screen when you scroll through your inventory. And here are some of the scroll's magical effects. Revive brings your own character back to life. When your life rating is telling you that you are probably not going to make it through your next enemy encounter, and that happened to me quite a bit, bring your revive scroll to the front of your inventory list. When your character begins to spin in the throes of death, use the scroll to revive your character. You must use the scroll before your character stops spinning. You can also use this scroll to bring a deceased comrade back into the game if you're playing multiplayer. You're teleported to Limbo when your life rating reaches zero. Until another character uses a revive scroll to revive you, your action window displays the game action from the point of view of another character. And then you press A to change your point of view from one character to the next. Unfortunately, I only have one copy of this game, although I do have two Lynxes, so I have not really tried this yet. Invis on a scroll makes you invisible for 25 seconds. Farsi, or F-A-R-S-E-E, -E, is not the language, but it's a special effect that allows you to view the entire level. It's useful in finding your way out of a tricky situation. 
You can use your joypad to move your character to any part of the level, so you press A to return to normal vision. Blast on a scroll kills all enemies displayed in the action window. It will not harm your comrades if you're playing multiplayer. Heal on a scroll increases your life rating by 2500 points. Shots increases your missiles rating by 2 points. The effect continues for the remainder of the game. Speed on a scroll increases your speed rating by 4 points. The effect continues for the remainder of the game. Strong written on a scroll increases your strength rating by 2 points. The effect continues for the remainder of the game. Repel on a scroll makes your enemies avoid contact with you for 25 seconds. And finally, Power on a scroll increases missiles, speed, and strength ratings for 30 seconds. Another item that you'll find is gold. Gold buys potions, scrolls, and food. When you purchase an item from a computer terminal, gold will automatically be deducted from your inventory. Speaking of computer terminals, they contain vital messages. From other terminals, you can purchase potions, scrolls, and food. Items that are available for sale will be within the vicinity of the computer screen. To purchase an item, move your character over the item. The purchase price will be deducted from the gold in your inventory. You cannot pick up a computer terminal. Here are some of the strategies that are listed in the manual to help you play Gauntlet the Third Encounter. Select your character wisely. Be careful not to shoot food, potions, or scrolls. Some walls are not as solid as they appear. Some enemies will leave you alone if you leave them alone. Try to destroy the enemy from a distance. Enemies who touch you sap your life points. Slimes divide when they're hit in the open. To destroy slimes, lure them into a hallway, then shoot them. They can't divide in a hallway or a doorway. If a comrade just doesn't seem to be playing with that old team spirit in a multiplayer game, he may simply need a little help and advice from a friend. Shoot him. This treatment is guaranteed to bring about the desired change of attitude. Another strategy, when your buddy dies and you can't or don't want to revive him, be sure to pick up all the good items he leaves behind. It's a bit cold-hearted, but he won't be needing that stuff anymore. Another strategy, drop unwanted items to create barriers, especially in hallways. And finally, you can use your weapon and view your inventory at the same time. Finally, in the manual, there's a page about scoring, and here's how the scoring works. For killing slimes, you get exactly zero points. Zero points. Spiders will get you one point. Shooting and killing ladybugs will get you four Shooting ghosts will get you 10. Cactuses, which I didn't quite understand how a cactus can move through a maze, but they do. Cactuses are worth 15 points, as are frogs and monks. Scorpions are worth 20 points. The land shark is worth 40 points. Opening a door is 100 points. And the boulder is 255 points. and ratings. Most reviews for Gauntlet the Third Encounter ran somewhere in the low to middle range. The highest review for the game that I could find was an 82 out of 100, but there were a few reviewers who thought it was a real dog of a game. Here is the conclusion of one review, an undated review by Kurt Olson, posted in amagan.1emu.net. He says, This cartridge offers some good points and some bad points coming to rest as an average game. Several more refinements would have been welcome, but as it is now, whether or not you should get Gauntlet the Third Encounter depends on whether you can tolerate its weaknesses. Kurt gives Gauntlet the Third Encounter the following ratings out of 10. For gameplay, he gave it 5, graphics 7, sound 6, and an overall rating of 5.5. 
The entire review can be accessed in the links links. I've also posted a link in the links links to an undated review by Keita Aida at Atari HQ. Keita says, As a one-player contest, it's a decent, if not satisfying, adventure game with enough thrills to make things interesting for a while. Unfortunately, once you're done, you're done. After starting over, you'll notice that all the doors and hidden items are exactly where you saw them before. Apparently, the concept of randomness pioneered by classics such as 2600 Adventure didn't occur to the designers at Epics. Still, given that not many adventure titles were made for the Lynx, it's worth a try. And if you've got friends with Lynxes, get ready for a wild rush to the precious food. Keita gives Gauntlet to the third encounter the following ratings out of 10. Graphics, 7. Sound, 6. Gameplay, 6. And an overall rating of 6. Ryan Geno at Down and Dirty Reviews provides this short review of Gauntlet the Third Encounter. He says, The third game in the series looks fairly good with some new scaling effects, but the action really got very boring after a while. Plus, what's the deal with all the goofy characters like nerds and punks being in a medieval world, huh? If you don't know the series, you control one of several different characters with their own strengths and weaknesses as they try to survive to monster-infested dungeons. One problem that I have with the new gauntlet here is the action is too zoomed in so that the game may look better but it's harder to see all of the enemies and traps around you and it makes the game less fun than the more popular arcade and NES versions available. Gauntlet 3 is not one of the strongest games you'll encounter for the Lynx. Ryan gives the game the following ratings out of 10. Graphics 7, Sound 6, Gameplay 6, and an overall score of 50 out of 100. The August 1990 issue, number 33, of the UK magazine The Games Machine printed a long review of Gauntlet the Third Encounter for the Lynx. Here is a brief excerpt from the summary. Gauntlet the Third Encounter is one great game for fantasy role-playing fans. You get it all. Fast animation, great color, neat sound. Working the controls is easy, with a view similar to the coin-op versions found in the arcade. The review also alludes to the smaller carton that the game comes in as well as mentioning that the cartridge itself now has a curved lip, or a hook as the reviewer calls it. The unnamed reviewer gives the game an 82% out of 100%. A PDF of the full review can be found in the Lynx Links. The review crew in the May 1990 issue, number 11, of EGM, or Electronic Gaming Monthly magazine, covered Gauntlet the Third Encounter. Out of 10, Steve gave the game a 7, Ed gave it a 7, Martin gave it an 8, and Jim gave it a 6. The game was referred to at the top of the review as Gauntlet 3, but correctly identified in the summary, where the magazine stated this, Gauntlet the Third Encounter is the real name of this Atari Games licensed Lynx game. Essentially an expanded version of the original coin-op, Gauntlet 3 uses all of the Lynx's advanced abilities, including scaling for first-person isolated viewpoints, and up to four-player combo hookup for the ultimate quest. Pick from one of the game's characters and hit the dungeon mazes to find your destiny. A PDF of each review from the review crew can be found linked in the links links. Veteran reviewer Robert A. Jung at IGN.com began his 1999 review of Gauntlet the Third Encounter with the phrase, third time's not the charm. His verdict for the game is this. This cartridge offers some good points and some bad points, 
coming to rest as an average game. Several more refinements would have been welcome, but as it is now, whether or not you should buy Gauntlet the Third Encounter depends on whether you can tolerate its weaknesses. That review sounds a little bit like Kurt Olsen's review. Matthias Japp at the Atari Times wrote in 2001 about Gauntlet the Third Encounter. He said, Gauntlet 3, as he calls it, cannot compete with parts 1 and 2. The game is not bad, but it doesn't seem very suitable for the small link screen. It is a great multiplayer game, but not a must-have title. Again, the full review can be found linked in the links links. Dan Lucen was even less enamored of the game, as found in his 2003 review of Gauntlet the Third Encounter, also from the Atari Times. His conclusion, Gauntlet 3 is an extraordinarily dull game. I haven't been able to sit down and play past three or so levels because I get so bored with it, and its gameplay is so flawed. It is the only Lynx cartridge that I have attempted to erase in the Amiga. It is that bad. Unless if you really have to have every Lynx game that has been created to this point, or want to see a reason behind the Lynx's failed entry, avoid this game at all costs. You'll thank yourself that you did. And of course you can check the Lynx links for a link to the entire review. In 2005, Patrick O'Connor at Defunct Games gave Gauntlet the Third Encounter a C-, saying that although there are cool things about the game, he thinks that the lack of a random monster generator makes it way too easy to play. His full review is also linked in the Lynx links. Also in 2005, video game critic gave the most scathing review of Gauntlet the Third Encounter I could find, giving it a grade of F, citing its slow-moving projectiles to be problematic. Check out the link I have for the review in the links links. In 2008, user Atari5200 on Atari Age gave Gauntlet the Third Encounter a score of 6 out of 10. Atari 5200's conclusion, The game is seriously fun, but it can wear off quickly since you can't save or at least start over with a password. They took a great game, added a great inventory system, and totally ruined it by not putting in at least a password system. Still though, for as cheap as it is, I recommend buying it. It's still a worthy Lynx title. A link to Atari 5200's complete review and scoring for the game is located also in the Lynx links. Finally, Roger Barr, in a brief 2011 review at iMockery, says this about Gauntlet the Third Encounter. When it comes right down to it, I've always believed that Gauntlet is a multiplayer game at heart. You can find his review linked in the links links in the show notes. Now, what about my own review? Well, I'm okay with Gauntlet the Third Encounter, though it does have its problems. I should point out that my lack of experience with dungeon maze crawls in general, or with any of the other Gauntlet titles in particular, means that this game is a slightly new experience for me. Here's what I like. The eight character choices are very cute, and there were no shortcuts taken in making them easily identifiable. I myself usually play as Valkyrie because he has the highest aggregate point count in his abilities. Also, I like the graphics. The scrolling is smooth, if a little bit slow, and I especially like the statistics radar inventory window that gives the player a more detailed look at nearby items or monsters, although obviously this window uses up valuable screen space that could have otherwise been used to increase the playfield. In gameplay, I like having eight characters of varying strengths and weaknesses from which to choose, and I also like the strategy involved during gameplay in deciding what to drop and use and to keep as the dungeon crawl goes on. In sound effects, I like the warning signal alerting the player of approaching monsters. Now, here's what I don't like. I don't like the silent title screen. 
A catchy Rudis Vieira tune could have made this title screen so much more engaging, and it could have better set the tone for the game. And as you've already heard, the death screen, should you die during gameplay, has a brief score, albeit an unmemorable one. And to continue on about the music, except for the character selection music, the actual underscore of the game during gameplay, besides being unchanging for all 40 levels, is a monotonous collection of random notes that, though a driving and frenetic tune, gets old really, really quick. It's too bad that this game doesn't have the option to turn off the music but not the sound. I also didn't like the slow and sometimes inconsistent accuracy of the weapons when shooting. Sometimes the sprite collision detection is forgiving, and sometimes it's non-existent. And I also didn't like the sameness in the details of the tile-based worlds. The variations between the levels, graphically speaking, are not enough to make it exciting when the player reaches the next level. Overall, it's a good pick-up-and-play title if you don't care too much about the bells and whistles, such as gameplay music or level diversity, but it's not one I can recommend wholeheartedly. My own rating? Beginning with this episode, instead of stars, I'll be assigning links, L-I-N-K-S, as in links in a chain. And here's how many links out of five that I'm giving Gauntlet the Third Encounter. For gameplay, three links. For graphics, three links. For controls, three links. For music, two links. For sound effects, three links. And for my overall rating, three links out of five. And that's it for reviews for this episode. Prices. Single loose cartridges on eBay, there were 10 of them sold, ranging in price between $8.39 up to $24, averaging $19.07. A single cartridge manual combo on eBay, there were three of them. Uh, they sold at $15, $21.19, and $24. Single CIB copies on eBay, there were four of them, ranging in price from $34.41 to $49.95, averaging $41.09. Loose cartridges sold in a lot on eBay, there were three of them. One for $61.70, which sold with eight other Loose Links cartridges. One for $99.99, which sold with a Lynx 2 console, and one for $117.50, which was sold with a Lynx 1 console, loose carts of Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge, and Shanghai, and the average price for those was $93.06. CIB copies sold in a lot on eBay. There was one for $144.99 It was sold with a Lynx 2 console and a CIB of Pit Fighter. Manuals sold by themselves in a lot on eBay. There was one that was sold for $9.87. That lot came with six other Lynx manuals and posters. Pricecharting.com averages for loose carts of Gauntlet the Third Encounter, $19.63. CIB copies, $19.99. New copies, $39.99. Carton only, $8. And manual only, $5.01. There are several other retailers that sell Gauntlet the Third Encounter. BNC Computer Visions is selling sealed CIB copies of the game for $49.95 with a notation of rare. But note that the price list for BNC was last updated on September 23, 2016, so it may no longer be available there. Best Electronics is selling sealed CIB copies of Gauntlet the Third Encounter for $45.95 if they're still in stock. The Goat Store has a loose curved lip cart for $12.99 and a used CIB copy for $32.94. Telegames in the UK is still selling sealed CIB copies of Gauntlet the Third Encounter for £16.66 or $23.63 US at the exchange rate on this recording date. 
And finally, Video 61 and Atari Sales has new copies of Gauntlet the Third Encounter for sale at $49.95. This is a new segment that I started in the last episode that I originally called Link's Notes, but I like the Link's In title better, so that's what it will be called from now on. The Link's In segments include any news about the Atari Lynx or about Atari in general, if I think it might be interesting to my loyal listeners. Also included are any announcements that I or my listeners might want to impart on the podcast. In this episode, I have two Link's Ins. Link's In number one. A developer in Amsterdam named Ninjaba on the Atari Age Lynx forums is now shipping his new Atari Lynx JRPG title, Wyvern Tales. Those who responded to his announcement a year ago on Atari Age to reserve a copy, or who subscribed on his website, have already been notified by email that the first batch of games have already been manufactured and are in stock and ready for purchase. Full disclosure, I was one of the subscribers. Ninjaba goes further in saying that as soon as the website for Wyvern Tales is updated to accept reservations and purchases for anyone not already contacted by him, can log on and do so, depending of course upon availability. The final Wyvern Tales package contains an original looking Lynx carton, game manual, and a curved lip style game cartridge, and retails for £45, or $56, shipped. The developer has been posting updates on the Atari Lynx forums, so please check there for the latest information. I just received my invoice for the game, and I hope to receive my copy soon. When I get it, I plan to cover the game in a special episode of the Handicast, entitled Handicast Homebrew. Check the Atari Lynx Handicast website regularly, and I'll keep you all linked in. Linked in note number two, in about three or four days on April 21 through 22, I will be hosting a display booth at the Vintage Computer Festival Southeast 6.0 at the now under construction Computer Museum of America in Roswell, Georgia. And good news, for the first time and for the entire weekend, this year the show has free admission for everyone. Along with my large experience, the TI-99 4A display, I will also have a look at the Lynx, a smaller display showcasing the Atari Lynx and its library of games. I'll have two working Atari Lynx 2 consoles from 1991, one of which sports the McWill LCD screen upgrade, and both consoles will be available for hands-on gaming for everybody. Additionally, I'll have my collection of over 45 games, all with original manual booklets or posters, and most in original cartons, along with various cases and other add-on accessories. Take One handouts outlining the brief history of the Atari Lynx and its legacy are also available, so if you're in the Atlanta area that weekend, that's this weekend, please be sure to stop by my booth and say hi. But bring lots of AA batteries if you want to play with the Lynx. Again, just kidding. I will provide the power. Listen to feedback. There were just a few comments on the Facebook page since my last episode, including one from Matt Lappy, co-host with Zerby, Doug McCoy, Christopher Tupa, Ferg, and yours truly of the League of Extraordinary Podcasters podcast, now in its second year without a new episode. 
Matt is also the new permanent co-host of Zerby's 80 to 89 podcast. He responded to the goofy feedback solicitation picture of myself holding up the gauntlet, the third encounter, Carton, by saying, love that game, and Wade of the Inverse Ataski podcast, and yes, that's another great Atari-related podcast that I follow religiously, and you should too. He followed up that comment with the comment, Elf needs food. On Twitter, there were also a very few comments since my last episode. In response to my tweet about episode 04, Gates of Zendokan, I received this comment from Bitjag. That was fast. Episode 4 of the Atari Lynx Handicast podcast is out. Great work, Handicast. My response back to him was, Yeah, had to get three out in March to get back on schedule after the delayed February launch. Hope you enjoy it. Finally, I did receive two audio submissions for this episode. The first one is from Curtis Herod. Let's hear what he has to say about Gauntlet, the third encounter. Well, I missed the Gates of Zendokan chat, so I'm not going to get a shot at those floating heads. But I'm in time for Gauntlet, the third encounter. Um, For starters, I don't remember holding the links vertical. That's just too awkward. But maybe for player select, and and that's kind of where... The third encounter hit. You know, who are you? Um, I'm more of a classic. I went with the gunslinger. You know, the samurai looked good too. Um, but when I think back to the third encounter, it was about those late levels, guys. Ladies. Um, those space levels. And what was up with that wall of ghosts? Or, or the ghost maze? I mean, that was an exercise in anxiety uh, for, 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 a, for a young gamer. Um, ultimately... You know, did you give up the gems uh, and see the UFO? Or did you uh, take it home, you know, and get rich? But, uh, yeah, I'll raise a glass to the gauntlet, the third encounter. That was 40 levels of uh, a lot of gunslinging. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Curtis. I love hearing your opinion on Lynx games, and I really appreciate that you took the time to submit an audio to the Handicast. Cheers. The other audio submission I received was from Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Let's hear what he has to say about both Gates of Zendokan and Gauntlet the Third Encounter. I missed the feedback deadline for Gates of Zendokan, so I'd like to talk about that one first before I get into Gauntlet, if that's okay. Zendokan was my brother's game. We both shared the links and several of the games, but there were a few games that we bought ourselves with our own money and therefore, you know, we owned. That's not to say that my brother didn't let me play Zendikon. He did, but now, even though it's 27 years later and the game is officially in my collection, I still consider it his. Anyway, we had not played many side-scrolling shooters before Zendikon. I'm I'm struggling to think of any. Uh, Defender doesn't count. So we kind of approached this as a sideways Xevious. We played a whole lot of Xevious on the Atari 7800, both the game and the console my brother got for his birthday one year. So given the fact that you had both forward shots and bombs in Gates of Zendikon, the the connection to Xevious for us made sense. 
I'm sure we noticed the recycled artwork from Atari 2600 Asteroids on the Gates of Zendikon box art. The ship, the explosion, some of the other background elements from Asteroids is just rotated 90 degrees counterclockwise with some new game elements added in. It's not a cheap ripoff, it's continuity. In some of my audio submissions to the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, as well as the No Swear Gamers Atari 7800 podcast, I've mentioned the high score binder. This is a three-ring binder containing slightly yellowed pages that my brother and I printed out using our dad's 9-pin dot matrix printer. Each page has 12 games listed on it, and each game has room for two high scores, including the score itself, the initials of the one who set the score, the date, and the skill level, if applicable. We mostly use this for Atari 2600 and 7800 games, but when we got the links, we printed out some pages for that as well, and I had forgotten about that until now. The links games aren't listed alphabetically, nothing is in this binder, but in fact, I think the games may be listed in the order in which we got them. So Rampage first, then Zarlar Mercenary, Rygar, Slime World, and so on. Looking through this list, though, all the scores are mine, so either my brother didn't bother recording his high scores, or I'm just that awesome. Given how few 2600 and 700 games have me as the high score holder, I'm guessing it's the first thing I said. Before I get to my Gates of Zendikon score, I should mention some of the other scores for games already covered on this podcast. So, Blue Lightning, 121,520 points, and Electrocop, 94,250. There's no date listed for either of these, which is a shame. Gates of Zendikon, though, I have listed a score of 20,300 points set November 28th, 1991. After seeing the high score you posted on Facebook, Mark, that looks pretty pathetic, so I decided to give the game another try to see if I could improve on that. Fair disclosure, I played this on an emulator. I have a Raspberry Pi 3, which when it's not doing something important, runs RetroPie, and I have my entire Lynx collection on there. It was slightly easier than grabbing the real Lynx, digging out the power supply, and uh, popping in the game card. Uh, Very slightly, I guess. The problem with the emulator is I don't remember the button assignments. The gamepad I have hooked up for this is very much like a PlayStation 3 controller, but made by Logitech, not Sony. So it's got buttons everywhere. Which one is A or B or option 1 or option 2, I don't know. If I'm lazy enough not to use a real links for this, then I'm not going to look up the button mapping. So, when starting the game, the button you press determines the difficulty level, and I must have pressed B for hard. It took less than a minute to eclipse my old high score, which seemed wrong, so after checking a bit, I found that the scoring is entirely different between easy and hard skill levels. This is not something I knew in the early 90s. I always played this game on easy and figured it was just a pretty low-scoring game. So I gave this game an honest playthrough on hard, and I was surprised how much I'd forgotten about it. See, my brother gave me his Lynx collection about three or four years ago. 1991 may have been the last time I played Gates of Zendikon before that. Why did I not even try out this game in the past few years? Well, I blame the video game critic. He gave this game a D- and had few nice things to say about it. So I figured the game was lousy and didn't have enough actual memory of it to disagree. Then I played it, and now I can disagree. I had forgotten about the shields, what a cool visual effect that is. They're pretty helpful, too. I had forgotten that you could take damage without being destroyed losing one of your abilities at a time, but maybe even surviving long enough to repair your ship at the beginning of the next level. 
you lose the shield generator first and then your forward lasers and you see blackened damage around the chunk of your ship that's missing, which is a nice visual touch. I had forgotten about the little helpers that you could find along the way who hover around your spacecraft and attack enemies in different ways. I had forgotten about some of the more inventive levels with maze-like barriers and the rapidly growing crystals. I had forgotten about so many of the different enemies and I even forgot that this game had background music though admittedly it does cut out briefly for many of the big explosions. I had almost forgotten that you could destroy enemies with the flames spitting out the back of your ship. It's tricky, but pretty cool. There are a few things that I did remember, though. The sound of you entering a gate, the giant spider thing at the beginning with the flickering eyes, and the little animation of your guy riding up the elevator to hop into the ship. I remembered the hidden level. I didn't find it myself, but... I saw it mentioned in a magazine and visited it on more than one occasion. I never knew what was up with the creepy, distorted LX face, not until reading an interview with LX Rudis in the Atari Times website, which I highly recommend. The ending, too. I remembered the ending. Uh, I beat this game a couple of times, though using level codes I found in a magazine, I'm sure. I remember the sun rising and waiting for it to do something else, just staring at the glimmering lake in the foreground. The glimmer effect is not entirely convincing, but if you stare at it long enough and maybe squint a bit, it, it looks alright. There's an indie game for PCs and Playstations, um, including Mac and Linux among the PCs, called Proteus, which uses a similar effect to indicate ripples in the water and instantly reminded me of Gates of Zendikon. My high score after a quick little playthrough on hard was 3,844,600, so very much different from my 1991 high score. I tried playing the game in easy mode very briefly, and it wasn't nearly as exciting, so I'd say hard mode is the way to go with this game. My opinion of Gates of Zendikon, which was long tarnished by the video game critic, is that this is actually a very solid shooter for the Lynx. And I couldn't help noticing how much better it was than a similar game on the Jaguar, Trevor McFur and the Crescent Galaxy. Trevor McFur has nicely rendered rotating enemies in a wide variety of cool power-ups and bosses, but the levels are very long and the variety lacking. The enemies fly at you from all over with no discernible pattern, and aside from a short-lived shield power-up, you're dead in one hit. So... Given a choice between the two, it's Gates of Zendikon all the way. So now moving on to Gauntlet. My brother and I had played Dark Chambers on the Atari 7800, loved that, and Gauntlet the Third Encounter on the Lynx seemed similar enough that it was a must-buy. Neither of us had seen Gauntlet in the arcade at this point. It's not a game that we ever saw at our local Aladdin's Castle, so, you know, the first two encounters were totally unknown to us. I did eventually play the Gauntlet arcade game, but not until many years later. Of course, you kind of need two Lynxes and two copies of the game in order to come close to replicating the Dark Chambers experience, so Gauntlet is the first game for which we bought a second copy. And man, what a cool experience, but more on that shortly. First of all, I'd like to talk about the vertical screen orientation. I think the screen could have been easily reconfigured to work with a horizontal layout with a monster view and stats along the right side, so it seems to me that the vertical screen in this game was more of a because-we-can sort of thing. Whatever, it never bothered me too much, except, though, that I always needed to flip the screen. I think the vertical games are best played with the D-pad on the bottom, 
So your left thumb on the D-pad and your right hand working the buttons up top. But maybe that's just me. The opening cinematic was cool, especially the picture of the castle. This was a beautifully high-res image, the likes of which I hadn't seen before in a video game. So it was super impressive to me at the time. So then we get to the character selection screen. And while the scaling characters don't look all that great, the music is superb. This is some of my absolute favorite music on the list. love the variety of characters, but typically play as either the samurai or the android. When playing with my brother, we would try to pick characters which balanced each other out. I think he preferred the wizard. These days, when playing the game with my daughter, she goes for the Valkyrie without fail. So, before getting the second Lynx and the second Gauntlet card, my brother and I did play this a few times independently, so we kind of knew what to expect when we linked up for our epic Gauntlet campaign where we were determined to finish the game. First of all, we used that simple level skip code to jump ahead as far as we could. Uh, playing the game, we knew what the various potions did, knowledge which I no longer possess, but it, it served us pretty well. The, the levels seemed to drag on after a while. A couple of the more memorable ones involved having to get chewed up and spit out by a number of plants in just the right order. And there's also one absolutely filled with pots of gold, which... Ordinarily, you would want to collect, but they just became a burden because our inventories were full and we had to pick up and drop gold one at a time to work our way through the level. But eventually, we worked all the way to the final level. We were critically low on health, and we could see this gigantic dragon at the edge of the screen, and we were trying to work our way toward it to finish the game, but we didn't make it. We both died. This was the one and only time that we got that far. I don't remember how long it took but it was a while. Playing Gauntlet on Comlinks, the music is slightly out of sync, at least in my experience, very slightly off. That's not a complaint. In fact, I actually like it. I think it sounds cool. Now, I don't have a good way to capture stereo audio in high quality, so I, I can't let you hear how that sounds exactly, but I did attempt to recreate the effect using some audio editing trickery. So here it is. I know this game wasn't originally a gauntlet title, that was kind of added later on, and you can kind of tell because the monster spawners you see in other gauntlet games are absent here, no speech either. So after playing other gauntlet games, the arcade game, uh, Midway Arcade Collections on various consoles, and my wife and I played all the way through Dark Legacy on the original Xbox. So after all that, this doesn't really feel like a gauntlet game, not really. But it's close, and I think it's a solid game on the links, especially in multiplayer. Both of my kids are interested in playing it, and I'm tempted to track down another Lynx console for some three-player action. Someday, maybe. Thanks once again, Shinto, for sharing your memories of both Gates of Zendokan and Gauntlet the Third Encounter. Your thoughts are always so interesting to listen to, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time to record and send them to me. And to my loyal listeners out there who like Shinto's stories, as well as his voice, you simply must check out his Atari Jaguar game-by-game -game podcast. Don't worry if you don't own an Atari Jaguar. I don't own one, but I never miss an episode of his podcast. Please check it out. Wrapping it up.
Well, that's it for my coverage of the Atari Lynx title, Gauntlet the Third Encounter. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. In the next episode of the Atari Lynx Handicast, I'll be covering the popular Lynx game that's four games in one, California Games. So please, if you have any feedback for episode 06, California Games, get that feedback to me by April 27th, 2018, so that I can include it on the podcast. Just listen to this episode's ending credits, where Monty will tell you how and where to submit it. And episodes of the Handicast coming up after California Games are... Episode 07, Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. Episode 08, Xenophobe. Episode 09, Chips Challenge. Episode 10, Todd's Adventures in Slime World, another favorite of mine. And Episode 11, Zarlor Mercenary. And I like that one too. Join me then, won't you? are in order for the Free Music Archive, which allows for the song 8-Bit Core by Tagirigus to be used as the opening and closing theme music for the Atari Lynx Handicast under the Creative Commons license. The Free Music Archive also allows for the following songs and artists to be used in this episode. No Control by Jazar, Drifting by Medieval Pundits, Gracias by Hickam Chahidi, E-Music by Philip Gross, and Waiting for It to Happen by Simon Mathewson. I would also like to thank Ferg of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and Zerbi of the many Zerbinator Land podcasts, including the excellent Please Stand By podcast. The help and inspiration that Ferg, Shinto, and Zerbi have provided in my brief podcasting experience are invaluable to me, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I would also like to give my heartfelt thanks to my beautiful wife, Lizzie. She has put up with me and with this strange podcasting thing with the patience of a saint, and I could never fully repay her, but I will definitely try. That's not snap, snap, grin, grin, wink, wink, sign them all. Episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast can be found on Apple Podcasts. Please take time to leave a review of the Atari Lynx Handicast on Apple Podcasts so that other interested listeners can easily find the Handicast. You can also find the Atari Lynx Handicast on Stitcher, on Google Play Music, and on TuneIn. While you're at it, be sure to check out the Atari Lynx Handicast website at atarilynxhandicast.net. All of the episodes can be found there, including show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. And you can visit the Atari Lynx Handicast blog page at atarilynxhandicast.blogspot.com. Also, you can subscribe to the Atari Lynx Handicast on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash Atari Lynx Handicast. And you can follow the Atari Lynx Handicast on Twitter. Just search on Twitter for Lynx Handicast. Finally, you can send Mark Little an email and let him know what you think about any episode of the Atari Lynx Handicast. You can also provide your own feedback about any Atari Lynx games. And you can even suggest future topics or possible interview subjects for future episodes. Or you can just simply say, Hi. Just write to him at, mark, at, 
atarilinkshandicast.net. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Atari Lynx Handicast. This is Montague Habersham, wishing you a good evening. Pardon me. The front of the manual includes a version of the cartoon cover... (laughs) Cartoon. There is a cheat to help you defeat the plants in level 40, and this is listed in the manual. One, take the... Oh, no, no, no. This isn't listed in the manual. Let's start again. Tasting, tasting. Toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. Rubber baby bumpy bumpuckers. Rubby baby bumpy bumpuckers. Rubby rubber... Never mind. The Atari Lynx Handicast is made possible by a grant from the Telesearch Group and by the generous support of listeners like you. Thank you.